Welcome to today's edition of Scouting for Growth. Today I'm meeting my dear friend, Dr. Robin Kira. Hey, thank you very much for the invitation. Thank you for being with us, Robin. Just so that I can tell you a little bit more about Robin. Robin is one of the most renowned European fintech insurtech influencer. Robin set up Digital Scouting in 2017, and he set that up as a platform which gathers today 400,000 followers. And you know, in our industry, this is not insignificant. I remember as well writing a few articles for Robin around uh, business model disruption. Robin is a thought leader, an entrepreneur, and a senior uh, leader as well. He's worked with also thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and senior managers in finance and insurance now for years. And what he aims to do is provide practical tools and techniques around lesson learned within our industry, but also within the insure tech sector. So thank you, Robin, for being with us today. Thank you for these flattering words. You have always been my role model, so I'm always blushing when people say <laughs> things like that. You are amazing. I mean, you have been doing so much work for us. I remember when we've met in conferences where you've been also recording and trying to, to democratize knowledge around insurance and make it simpler. So thank you for your hard work too. Thanks. <laughs> so I want to, I want our listeners to understand your parcours, you know, what got you to where you are today, where you started and where you are going as well, Robin. First of all, its life can be ironic because I have now a, a consulting company and a marketing agency. And you cannot believe I don't like these marketing agencies, guys, and I really despise consultants. So that's the irony of it all. But let me share what makes this maybe a little bit different. Um, so I started as an insurance sales agent. And so I really started from the ground up, sitting on the couches, trying to sell liability insurance for 14 euros uh, commission. Um, so I was part of a management program that was really fancy, but in the end, it was selling insurances on the insurance policies on the street of Hamburg. And I always say between me and the Allianz CEO were 27 different layers of hierarchy. Between me and the one below me, that was just a street, you know, street heading to the client. Um, now it's fun to talk about it, but in the end, it was a pretty harsh um, education. Why? Because I saw a huge gap between what insurance can be, helping people, protecting them against the risks of our lives and the reality of selling insurances. Um, you know, uh, when there are accidents insurance month, then we sell accident insurance when there comes a new product. In, uh, in long-term care, then we sell that, which not necessarily had something to do with actually um, 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 the desire and the demand of the client. I know everybody says, oh, we don't do that. We don't sell products. We consult. Yeah, all right. Let's talk at the end of the year. What are you doing then? But years later, um, I found, and one, one, one more thing is, at every beginning of the month, we received a list of clients we could, could call. So that had nothing to do with, the, with their situation. I had several situations where I called a client and he said, oh, thank you that you're calling. 
Okay, nobody said that, but uh, at least they didn't hang up right away. And uh, I found out, oh, they just bought a house. They just um, founded a new company, but they didn't think about us as agency. They, they you know, went to their bank, they went to somebody else. So a lot of business went by us because we were not on the mind of our clients. And then I founded Digital Scouting 10 years later, and we were really crushing it on social media. And suddenly, our clients were standing in line. And I remember as if it was yesterday, I was sitting in a cafe waiting on some insurance suit. And I was like, huh, this sort of selling is quite differently than when I was running around and running after clients for insurance. And because out of a push I needed to push into the market was a pull, uh, clients came to us. And from that moment on, uh, we decided to, um, to to transform our blog, which was, you know, having thought leader into um, um, thought leadership. We went through all conferences around the world and brought the ideas back home, um, talked about, you know, promising startups like Lemonade at the time. Maybe one or two people have heard about it until now. Um, and, and, and to bring this back and, um, yeah, to make... I strongly believe also we in insurance can sell our insurance policies like iPhones that people are standing in line in front of our agencies and brokerages or homepages. Why? Our products are way more important than a stupid phone. Why? I mean, you know, a phone is dead in five years anyway, that a term life insurance can save maybe not the life of the person that died, but at least the financial consequences of it. Uh, health insurance are providing ventilators around the world. Uh, and all of that. And we as insurers, we do not talk about these things when we do, you know, from time to time, a good job. Um, and, and I think we can also create a situation where people are standing in line for our products. And that's a little bit of the mission of Digital Scouting. So what I hear is you move from traditional insurance to what you do today, consulting and social media, even though you don't like the consultants and the social media agencies, because you wanted to transform our industry and demonstrate that you can do it better. We can do it better. Exactly. At some point, people said to me, Robin, you're the rebel of the industry. And what I found when I had key, when I hold keynotes, and maybe I need to add, I, I built two products, um, one in online gaming, one in fintech that was super successful. The online gaming company was sold for $400 million. I did not have any shares, just as a disclaimer. Uh, so, so I still need to work. Still hurts a little. And, um, <laughs> and um, what I want to say with that is, um, I was pretty independent because I was thinking you build two apps that made over a billion, so you will find a job at some point, even if you, you know, make re- everybody in this room mad. And this room was full of insurance experts and, and employees and professionals. And what I found when I, you know, talked about the elephants in the room in 2017, 18, 19, that at some point uh, the other rebels in the, the, the room, maybe, you know, still wearing a tie and a suit, contacted me and said, Robin, we see it exactly like you. We wouldn't say it in public, but we see it exactly like you. And we actually want to save the industry and our our insurers, please help us. And then I said, never. And then they said what they were willing to pay. And I was like, oh, well, I reconsider. (laughs) Well, I think what you've done as well is um, push the boundaries. And I think today it's okay to push the boundaries because our generational group of customers is changing. You know, the Gen Zs and millennials are asking for digital and um, seamless offerings. And so because of that, it gives you an opportunity to respond to that customer much better. Well, I think not only Gen Zs and Gen Y and all new people are asking for seamless 
uh, frictionless processes. I think everybody likes that. You know, it's like uh, I, I just kind of share, share a story not about the insurance industry. I my the, my razors. I have a I have an electric razor which can do um, a, a wet and a dry uh, raising. I don't know. Do you say raising? And uh, the station where you load it broke. I love Philips. All my family, Dutch family, has worked for Philips, so I only buy Philips. Yeah. So. I tried to get this thing on Amazon, uh, the station to recharge the razor. It wasn't possible. So I went to uh, Philips website. I couldn't order it on my phone because there was some bug on their website. So I ordered it actually um, uh, online with, uh, with that. So I had a break. I couldn't do it in the moment I needed it. Second, then they are sending it now with a really disastrous um, uh, parcel delivery service. Um, and, um, and and so the, the, the user experience is horrible, even though I love the brand. And I think um, we need to, everybody loves frictionlessness. All technology that broke through, you know, reduced friction in the process. And it's not only, I, I think that the tolerance of Gen Zs and, and newer generations are just lower. They have not the same tolerance when it comes to incompetency and friction. And I, by the way, I think it's just right. Yeah, it is just right. So tell us, how did the idea come to you to build this global social media engine? Well, uh, first of all, I, I really love insurance. I think it's a great product. I think we have very brilliant people working in the industry. We have very lot of good people working in the, in the industry. And what I found, what was quite ironic in the beginning, that all, it seems to me at least, that most insurance um, ecosystems like countries like Germany, France, Britain, USA, they have had nothing in common. They hadn't have any exchange, but there were so many interesting use cases in the UK, in France, in the US. And I wanted really to um, get to know what's really going on. And because there's one thing to just cite an article of a journalist who has never, you know, you know, who barely speaks English uh, to talk about international trends, or I wanted to see the international trends. And uh, I loved also speaking, uh, probably also was good for my ego. So that was my, my, my inner desire to bring these great ideas back. And by the way, what people said back in the days, there will never be an insurance policy sold via a chatbot. And I still remember how I went to, by the way, before I went full, full force into digital scouting, I went to an, an insurance C-suit with the YouTube video um, Lemonade just... Um, released and I asked him, what do you think, how many years it's going to take until this app is going to go live? And he said, three to four years. I said, this app is live now. And the second thing he said, oh, we're working on something similar. Funny fact, until now they have no decent app. So digital scouting, tell me, how did that name came about? Okay, there are two approaches to finding a name and a logo. First approach is to have a workshop, to think about things and to have experts and to have designers and all of that. I did not do that. I thought about the idea of digital scouting for a long time. I just had the name in mind. And at some point we had our first media partnership with a conference. And then they said, oh, do you have a logo? I'm like, oh my God, my company doesn't have a logo. So I went to uh, Canva and just made a logo in five minutes, sent it to them. And that's our logo. So Yeah. <laughs> Well, but you said you were thinking about the name for quite a while. So what I want to know now, what were your ups and downs? You build a, a very known brand across our industry now in multiple markets. Yeah. What were your ups and downs, Robin? So my ups and downs, uh, my ups and downs were... Um, 
actually there were no doubts. So I did this part-time besides being a, a chief product officer for a private bank where we built the second app that was pretty successful. Um, and we always grew organically. Um, and um, my downs were only stupid mistakes by myself. I don't know, hang on to a bad tax advisor for too long, um, things like that. But there were no downs. The only down thing I really see is um, that um, uh, that COVID prevented us from meeting and seeing. That's the biggest pain for me. I really hate it. I was really annoyed that Joe Biden didn't let us in uh, into US for ITC last year. I was really, really annoyed by that. Um, and I hope we're going to do this very, very soon. I, I'm actually hoping for to see you all in March in um, in London and I think in Europe where the first shows start. Yes, we will be in London and we are planning a few interesting things as well, which we'll tell you hopefully very soon. So there is this quote I found on, um, on your profile and I would like you to tell me a little bit more as to what inspired you uh, in putting that quote, um, you know, into your profile on LinkedIn. 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than by the ones you did do. So throw off the bow lines, sail away from the safe harbor, catch the trade winds in your sails, explore, dream, discover. Mark Twain. Yes, uh, I really love this quote because it reminds me of what I should do and what I should not do. When I announced at Allianz that I was leaving this headquarters working uh, at, a, at a department called Board Communication, which was the project management office for the board of Allianz Germany, um, people, and I said, I go into an online gaming company that hasn't been around for three years. People were really calling the company doctor to see that high fever or something. So they were, how can you leave the security? And I would have gone, you know, my career would have gone and continued and all of that. Um, and so in the end, even though it was very privately motivated because I wanted to get back to my girlfriend, now wife, um, which about in 19th of January, we're together 20 years. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, first, of my, first time in my life, I went to a Cartier shop. I'm not sure if I'm going to do that again. Um, <laughs> so what I want to say with that is, um, with, with the Mark Twain quote, is to really, you know, do the things that... Um, uh, that um, you you won't won't regret and and I think sometimes you have a false sense of security and the same thing is when I found digital scouting I decided to do it as a real business um, to 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 just do it because I think we all can still go back to have great jobs in, in this industry or another even though I cannot imagine working for a different industry um, and um, and to really do what if I lay my head on the pillow for the last time I don't want to regret anything. And no one should regret. And I think I've learned the same lesson from you because I worked with four very large companies for, well, 18, 18 years of my life. And um, I made the shift uh, six years ago when I decided to work with tech startups, actually, which were trying to work in insurance. And so that's where InsurTech started. And also wanted to be come closer to investors and PE companies. And so I thought to be able to do that, I needed to create some level of freedom for me to think, to work on the laptops I wanted to work. You know, I'm an Apple person. Every, everything in my house is, um, you know, branded with that specific brand. Anyhow, 
I just wanted some level of freedom, some ability to think laterally and actually being able to go wherever I wanted, when I wanted, and actually drive value in different ways, which takes me to uh, this amazing book you've published and which came out just recently, I think just before Christmas, I saw this pink and yellow book on my Instagram. And so tell us how this project came about. So it's called To Sell More with Attention Hacking. And the hammer shows that we should use the hammer in communication. And it's in German, but the translation in English is ready. I'm just looking uh, for some organizational steps and designs, and I actually need to review it this weekend. So the English book is coming out, I hope, before March. So we can, you know, I can bring them all to all the conferences and make you, you know. I hope I'm going to get my copy, sir, yes. because I was looking on Amazon.co.uk. I could not get it. It's like, what is going on here? Yeah, yeah. It's, I... Yeah, never do it with a small editor, I would say, or publisher. All right, so what's the book about? The book is uh, about how can you get the attention of the target group, can be B2B, can, can be B2C, and we share actually all our secrets what we found out. I mean, we reach between 10 and 20 million people a month uh, on all different various social media channels, and, um, and we share actually all our secrets. But it's written uh, especially for decision makers in the insurance industry. So if you're a marketing department or you're a CSU decision maker or anybody in, in the internal headquarters, but since I'm from outside sales or you know going on the streets and selling them policies, it's also for written for those. It, it, I always look at two things. First, if you have never heard about anything, you can learn something. And if you're a super pro expert, um, that's also something um, we, we did this um, book for. And uh, yeah, I just uh, wrote it. Uh, by the way, I'm not ashamed to say that, you know, I had a little help uh, because uh, nobody will believe me anyway when working 18 hours with a company that I did write it myself. But the intellectual um, the intellectual content and all of that, it's from me. Um, all stories uh, are from me, but I had some help to actually putting it together because otherwise I would have not done that in the next 20 years. Yeah, no, I know the feeling, you know, we are working at speed and uh, I'm also finalizing a book, which I've written everything, right? It's my past five years of, of learning in InsurTech. And um, I also need a little bit of help to finish it off because I'm also working with big companies and InsurTechs every day. So finding the right balance between yeah. them. Can you tell us, because I've seen you talk with... Um, Gary V, for instance, and some major brand names in attention hacking. Tell us, you know, attention hacking is actually a real terminology which exists yeah. in the industry. And there is, is this economy called the attention economy. Tell us a little bit more about that. So I can only say what I understand as it. So yeah, I, I, I'm uh, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk and I had some encounters that was really, really nice. Or also Grant Cardone in real estate play, Rachel Cruz from the Dave Ramsey team, or um, I will have a show with Anthony O'Neill soon, and Guy Kawasaki, not to forget, and others. So that were really some superstars we, we had there and also a lot of insurance C-suits. But what, what, what is the attention hacking is about? It's, you know, when I see an ad, or get a letter from the, from my insurer or a bank. It's mostly about them. They want data from me to fill it in their form. It's always about them, but it's never about the client. And the irony is, if you look at super successful insurance agents, for them, it's always only about the clients. It's funny, you know. It's like a like a like a, a true law through history. If you want to sell sell a person something, be nice to him, her, deliver value, and business will come. Really funny concept. It works. And the idea is. Back in the days, you only could grow your business 
by scaling your sales force, by hiring more people. And we are the first time in history, I believe, where you can scale your sales activities and your sales success and your revenue detached from the growth of hiring new salespeople. And the magic is attention hacking using digital media, pictures, graphics, animations, and video. Did I mention video? Video. You need to really have a video department. You know, if 50% of worldwide international internet traffic is video and you have two videos on YouTube with 300 views as a multi-billion dollar company, you have a problem. Um, so the book is really about, it, it's pounding, it's written easily, it's really pounding on, you need to conquer the attention of your target group. You really, really, really need to conquer the attention of your target group. You need to, um, to, to, to be actually daily on their mind. Let's go back to my, you know, mediocre sales results when I was an agent. It was super hard to be on the mind of the people. We could write them, call them, but there were manual tasks actually attached to my physical thing. And um, and uh, and I think that's 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 super important to uh, to, to 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 know. And um, yeah, and 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 what attention hacking is is to really find the tools and tactics that work. So if we find out that your target group, for example, is uh, on LinkedIn, then you need a LinkedIn strategy. Um, when you find out your target group is on your target group is on TikTok, then you need to be on TikTok. And it's not a question if you like it or not. You need to be there. Period. And one critical question I always ask when, especially at insurers and banks, they say, "Yeah, we know that. We understood it intellectually. We 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 I mean, we know we should do that." I say, "Do you allocate the resources and the structure of your marketing and sales department the same way?" as the clients allocate their attention in their time. So if the client is spending 30% on streaming or social video, do you spend 30% of your marketing budget there or are you still printing leaflets? But that is the most important, right? Attention needs to go towards where consumers are spending most time. And some of the stats showing that on average, we spend four hours on our social media per day. And we spend that time around across seven digital channels, social media channels. So as you said, being clear around where the customer is or where we want to bring attention to what we have to offer is going to be very important. And as you said, video, video, video. Is I have key. a funny story. One, one more story. Sorry for interrupting. One, one, one funny story is when we look at insurance and banks, and they are saying, okay, imagine the situation. You are a decision maker and your sales department is struggling and you go to your worst salesperson. But you know, he or she is nice, uh, very communicative. And then you ask her, do you want to find out what's going wrong? And then she says, or he tells you, oh, you know, I'm getting to my car, I'm driving to the client, but he's not there. And you're like, okay, he's open. And then he or she repeats and says 10, 10 times the same, same story. And you're like, but why aren't the client there? And then you find out they're driving to the addresses where the people used to live. And then you ask, but they're not there anymore. And they're like, yeah, but for the last 10 years it worked and everybody else is driving there too. Yeah, but they're not there anymore. And that's what insurers and banks do with social media. They invest billions and billions and billions of dollars into channels where the customers don't are anymore. Sorry, Mark Zuckerberg, but Facebook is dead. Yeah, you need to go to different channels. And, um, and I think that's something what attention hacking is, be there where the client is. And it's not only that, it's actually, you not, you not only need to be where the client is today because that's crowded, you need to actually be where the client is tomorrow. 
And that's where the magic is. And that's where the billions are to be made. And, you know, visual uh, capitalist has been doing some amazing graphic to show us how the displacement around social media also is going on. But I think the major point you're also making is don't just look at the stat. Make sure that your customer is on that channel too. I want to say one thing about startups. We have startups out there um, that are brilliantly innovative in their product, but they're really, really bad at marketing. It's unbelievable. And sometimes they're failing because of that, you know? And, and that's sometimes that my, that's why we sometimes also work with startups to say, guys, you're so great with your product, but you're really just copying the traditional ones with your marketing. That's not good. <laughs> that's not good because you need to recognize that the greatest tech ventures are technology first, but not marketeer. And so I think there is a great opportunity to help them. Uh, you know, all of us as, you know, influencers and insure tech enablers, we can help them do that better. And I think the other point you highlight around some of those deficiencies is if they want to raise and if they want to grow and scale their business, they have to emulate. I'm sorry, you know, if Daniel Schneider is not happy with that, a bit lemonade because Daniel is coming from a marketing background. Yeah. And so everything has been super consistent in the way he's built lemonade. But I think there they have the great um, uh, advantage of having wearing super innovative on their uh, on their application and having brilliant marketing and fundraising. So I think a lot of factors came together. But funnily enough, I think Lemonade is also a great example. Even though I've been critical in the in the past, I mean, look at the founders. It's not their first rodeo, you know. I mean, shy. For God's sake, he built Fiverr before that, which is like another unicorn death star. It's a negative word, but it's like a monster, super great company. And now they're going and then they're going to insurance. So I think that's also something I think typical for insurance that the successful startups have been founded by founders for whose it's not their first startup. I think that's super typical. So I'm waiting for your book in English, but can you tell, give us, Five tips, please. Five tips. We can, we can start tomorrow to become attention hackers. Robert. First of all, I think it's most importantly to make a decision. Do I want to attack? Do I want to grow? Then you need to do attention hacking. If you are happy with, uh, you know, melting margins and shrinking market shares, that's fine. Don't do it. But that's really important. If you make the decision, you need to also to have the consequence. And the consequence is step number two. Really watch what your clients are doing. Don't ask them what they're doing. Watch what they're doing. That means when you're out there, look what other people are using on their cell phone. And when your agencies and consultants tell them, oh, you need to go this and there, but you look on the cell phones of your clients while watching the software in the airport, they're not there. Then, you know, there's a delta. And by the way, people only agree um, in surveys, what they think is socially acceptable. Um, I had once a, a C-suit uh, telling me uh, when I told him about attention hacking and he was like really annoyed. I said, Robert, you, I know it works. You know, when I see you, when I'm in the bathroom, you know, I see you everywhere on my phone. I'm like, can it be more intimate, 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 intimate? intimate uh, when you're there in the most private moments uh, of a true c-suit you know um, and i think that's important to understand first you need to decide second you need to really watch where your clients really are not where they say they are third is after you listen you need just to do just do it 
I mean, the funny thing is nobody has 20 years experience in pushing an insurer in the social media space because guess what? It's not, has been not been around for 20 years. So just do it. I think that's super important, but, but you also need to change your philosophy. And that's step number four. You change your philosophy, how you produce content. I cannot count the numbers. When I go into an insurer and they say, oh, Robin, we don't have any money. And I say, okay, how much money did your last image movie cost? $250,000. I'm like, yeah. I mean, you could do a year, year, year budget attacking the internet with that in certain you know, levels uh, with that and not having one movie only the board actually saw and nobody else did. Um, so you need to change the way how you produce content. It's rapid, it's quick, it's using AI, it's using certain tools. It's not polishing everything until the last thing. And you need, and that's step number five, you need to make a very tough decision. Are the people you have currently potentially are capable of doing that and if not what is your way is your way to build ramp up slowly own expertise is it buying an agency or is it you know going out uh, outside and say agency or consulting partner please do it all for us and then you can really uh, uh, attack that so i think that are my five steps decision uh, watching let's pause and we'll start that again Okay, uh, I hope I can. can... No, but just just the, the, the three points because they are going to cut it. Yeah. Okay. So the five points are: you need to listen to your clients. Second, you need to no for social. <laughs> no, I'm messing it up. So the five points are: you need to make a decision if you want it. Second, you need to listen to your clients. Third, you need to just start doing it. And the fourth, I actually forgot. I think we should we should forget it. You should we should skip it. I forgot. <laughs> But one thing which came to mind is, you know, I I do see you when I wake up in the morning. And um, so whether it's on my Instagram or I go on LinkedIn. So, I've, you know, we have our routine, right? We go first. I don't even watch TV anymore. Most of my news comes from my um, my social media channel, you know, looking at people I know who have already done the research. And then we all are doing our little, you know, piece where we are sharing, sharing things we are seeing, which is transforming our industry. But one thing which I also um, realize is you are using a lot of automation, Robin. And can I ask you to share with us as well tips, three of the best automation tools which have changed your life? Well, what changed my life is actually my colleagues at Digital Scouting that take a lot of work from me. So that's the trick. And, um, you know, I cannot be the measurement of social media activity because of 30 people, I would say 10 to 15 are working on my own on my social media presence. That's a lot. So and that's also significant investment, by the way. Um, and uh, what kind of social media tools I recommend are scheduling tools where you can schedule your social media posts. We use social pilot. It's like a nine buck, nine, $10 program where you just have, you know, where people can upload stuff and pre-plan. That's what we do a lot. Uh, big, big, great tool is Canva where you can very professionally, no, you can, we always say we produce graphics in the time while others still are starting Adobe Photoshop. Okay. We use Adobe Photoshop written too, but it's to make a point. You can create great art you know, with, um, with, a, with, a, with a program like Canva, with filters, and I think you can learn it in two hours. And the third program we use is CapCut, 
which is the video editing tool of actually provided by the company who also um, runs TikTok. It's, I think, one of the best and easiest ways to produce okay uh, social media videos in a high quantity. But again, we have also a whole professional uh, video team that can do, you know, Hollywood style uh, videos too. Okay, now I know where I can go for my next videos. Thank you very much, Robin. So I will ask you now, there is so many questions I wanted to ask you, but we're coming at the end of our little discussion. If you were going to give three advice to you when you were younger, 10 years ago, what would be those advice? Uh, my first advice would be work not so much. Um, I think that's something uh, I did, you know, my team always laughs because I cannot imagine that I even worked more, but actually did. I would work less a little bit. Uh, third, second is I would do the uncomfortable things because I still remember when in my dorm a million years ago, somebody told me you can install small programs on your computer and then you can mine like weird coins. And I was listening to that, but I was not grasping it intellectually and I think it's important to have unconventional priorities to do things that don't make sense at the point but who can be great TikTok for example is an example uh, we started that when nobody did and uh, as an unconventional priority as, as a research and development product so that's what I would do do unconventional priorities and when things when you are triggered by things but you don't do it because they're not comfortable that's the point how to try it out also to be intellectually flexible I mean I love the insurance industry but we are also looking at others just also to you know to grow and to learn outside of our you know family <laughs> I want to say and the third one is um, what I would even do more go more on conferences even more events to meet more people because that's that's the beauty. And by the way, I think the insurance and insurtech community is also one of the things that carries me through this zombie apocalypse. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We have a great community. We are, at the end of the day, a relationship-based industry. And so we need to share that. And I agree with you. There are so many opportunities in insurance, but also in adjacent markets, as we also see a lot of other sectors reaching out to actually understand how you know risk management and risk mitigation becomes part of their embedded offering. So thank you, Robin, for being with us today. Where can we find you? Everywhere. So LinkedIn, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, name it, or on our website, digitalscouting.de. Thank you. Thank you. If you like this podcast, subscribe now, share with your friends, and if you enjoyed it, please give it a five-star review. Also, if you want to cover any specific subject with me, contact me on Instagram under Sabine VDL Officials or LinkedIn under Sabine van der Linden. Thank you.